Yeah, so alignment transformation really is about softening the silos between sales and marketing and looking at the two teams as one cohesive revenue engine. I think when you do that, it changes your perspective on how you interact with each other. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, everyone out there in B2B sales and marketing land. Welcome to another episode of the B2BMX Podcast. This is the part of the episode where I introduce myself. Hi, it's Claudia and my co-host, Alicia. But I'm actually flying solo today because Alicia is a busy, busy gal prepping for our upcoming events. You know, it's crunch time over here as we prep for the B2B Sales and Marketing Exchange online experience. And let me tell you, it's coming along great. It's a little stressful, but it's going to be a virtual event that you definitely won't want to miss. In the hot seat today is actually one of our extraordinary keynote speakers, Jeff Davis. Jeff is the founder and principal of JD2 Consulting and an expert on sales and marketing alignment. He works with B2B companies to help them optimize revenue growth by aligning marketing and sales teams. Not to mention, he's a kick-ass author of the book, Create Togetherness, which is a must-read for any sales and marketing professional. I had an awesome conversation with Jeff about how the buyer and seller relationship has changed and how we can simply no longer operate in silos because modern buyers demand that seamless buying experience from end to end. We discussed everything from how digitalization has literally escalated everything and how we can even soften the silos between marketing and sales to really look at the two teams as one cohesive revenue engine. Jeff also gives us a sneak peek into his presentation at B2B SMX. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Jeff, how's it going? Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, it's going very well. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, same here. So let's get right into it. You are a source of knowledge and insight on all things sales and marketing alignment, an expert on what you call togetherness. So I'd love to hear from you to share you know, what that really means, especially in today's context. Yeah, with togetherness is really about, it's about recognizing that the modern buyer and seller relationship has changed. The modern buyer is empowered with nearly unlimited access to information, people, resources. It is really quick to find out about you, your company, your product. And so because of that, they become savvier and they've demanded a more seamless, cohesive buying experience. They just want to make buying easy. And so what togetherness is really all about is that it's recognizing that we as sales and marketing professionals cannot operate in silos if we're going to really raise the bar on the way that we come to the modern buyer. And that at the end of the day, they are putting their hands up and say, if you guys can't figure it out and create a buying experience, that's easy for me to navigate through. I'm going to go somewhere else. So that is the essence of why uh, creating togetherness is really important for today's B2B organization. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, it's something that we are constantly talking about over on our editorial side on Demand Gen Report and that seamless buying experience because buyers are just so 
you would say they're so used to a seamless experience from like a B2C angle that now they expect it in the professional side. So I definitely agree. And your session at our upcoming B2B sales and marketing exchange is called Disrupting the B2B Buyer Journey, How Aligned Revenue Teams Are Rethinking Key Buyer Interactions. So in your mind, is quote unquote disrupting being used in a negative or positive way and why? It's in a positive way because I think realistically, because we've operated in silos, have not really thought about the buyer's journey in a cohesive way. I think more often than not, marketing teams have thought about it in the context of providing content, but we haven't thought of it as an aligned journey where we orchestrate our interactions. And why it's important to kind of disrupt the way we think about it is We are at a point where the buyer does not care if the information comes from sales and marketing. They look at us as one company. And so we have got to think through how do we serve up the information that is the easiest for the buyer to consume and it's going to help them achieve what they need to, to move on to that next stage in their buyer's journey. And sometimes that is marketing, sometimes that is sales, and sometimes it's a combination of the two by virtue that the buyer's journey is so fluid now because of technology. They come in and out of different phases. There's so many people in the buying committee. We've just kind of like always got to be ready when they want to engage with (laughs) us to anticipate what do they need. And if that is marketing, great. If that's sales, great. We just want to get it to them as quickly as possible. One great example I always use is that if somebody downloads a white paper or raises their hand that they want some content, if they are signaling to you that they're ready to have a buying decision, don't make them go through all the hoops and the hurdles that are part of your standard process, right? If they told you like, look, we want to talk about pricing because we're ready to buy, get them to a salesperson and like have that conversation. So it's things like that that we just have to be agile and be able to communicate between the two teams. Absolutely. And the session is also focused on like the new realities that revenue teams are facing, right? And specifically the increase in the digitized B2B buying journey. And we've all seen the spikes in digital traffic. My inbox is flooded. <laughs> but, which <Mine> shif- <laughs> but which shifts in buyer behavior do you believe are the most staggering? Well, for, on the sales side of things, and I think we've seen this for a number of years, is that the buyers are really wanting to interact with sales much later in the process. And so what that looks like is that, you know, I always let people think of the example of like your roof is leaking. You really, as a buyer, you see the symptom, but you don't really know what the solution is. It could be, I just need to replace, you know, my gutters or I need to patch up or I need a whole roof. And you really need somebody to tell you what that looks like. And so there are a lot of opportunities to get in front of buyers early in the process But I think the biggest thing we're finding is that the modern buyer is much more self-sufficient, which means they have information, but doesn't mean they understand. And so I think the companies that are getting it right are doing a couple of things. But the two that I think are the most important is they're getting in front of that buyer sooner and they're helping them make decisions, not just shooting them more content. Yeah. And I love that, especially in this day and age where there's just so much content even out there that it's really hard to navigate sometimes. So getting in front of that buyer as soon as a seller can is definitely something that's kind of critical in today's climate. How do these buyer shifts translate into challenges for revenue teams? And are these new challenges or are they kind of just evolved versions of already existing pain points? I would say they're evolved version of existing pain points. I think that, you know, obviously to your point about digitization, it is just really escalated everything. And at the same time, 
I think that many companies have responded by automating everything, which I get because that's how we scale. But we're at a point now that because the buyer has become so savvy, they're able to recognize mass communication. And we're in a world where we crave intimacy, we crave connection, we really have to start personalizing those communications. So we've kind of come to this point where we've kind of maxed out on shooting out bulk everything because the buyer's just opting out. It's like, yeah, I just, you really don't know my name or like you spell my name or like we're able to see those nuances. So we're at this point where there's this weird intersection of you having to communicate at scale, but really having to personalize those communications. And to you alluded to it in an earlier part of our conversations, it's because we're having these amazing D2C experiences with companies like Amazon and Zappos and even Netflix that really understand us. And we're having those same expectations on the B2B side. Yeah. So again, this is just another conversation of that whole high name just <laughs> doesn't work anymore, right? You're like, I've seen this template before from like three other vendors. Great. You don't know who I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, moving along, you'll be digging into the concept of alignment transformation. How would you define alignment transformation to begin with? And what do the sales and marketing professionals listening right now need to know about it before they even get started? Yeah, so alignment transformation really is about softening the silos between sales and marketing and looking at the two teams as one cohesive revenue engine. I think when you do that, it changes your perspective on how you interact with each other. We no longer are two separate functions that happen to work together, but we really are two different functions that are interconnected and interrelated. And our ability to drive revenue for the organization is dependent on each other. And so when you're able to look at them in that way, you start to realize, especially as a leader, I've got to step back, even as a sales leader, to understand what happens before me and what happens after me. You can no longer just focus on your silo because that is not going to optimize your ability to be able to capture that buyer and get them through the entire funnel. So that really is the focus of when you're serious about alignment transformation, that is the change. Secondly, I also share with leaders is that this is not a quick fix. Alignment transformation does not happen in a day, a week, a month. This is a true business transformation. And as such, there has to be a socialization of this idea throughout the organization. You have to get buy-in, which is why I always suggest before anybody goes into making this, that they really assess and get people on board for them to agree that we've at a point that a misalignment is impeding our ability to generate revenue on a consistent basis. And then in that, they recognize that the CEO has to be the face of this initiative. It affects too many people. It affects too many changes in the organization for just to be grassroots or just to be a sales and marketing thing. You really have to get the CEO on board and show him or her that we have to work on this together. We need you to not only support it, but sponsor it and then help them understand the business business impact if we do not. And so that really is the essence of when you're ready to take on this initiative that you clearly understand what you're getting into because it's not a read an article and then next week we're all aligned. I wish it was that easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) But what do you, I mean, I know getting that executive level buy-in is not very easy. Do you have any kind of tips on how to approach that? Yeah, so it's all about connecting with hearts and minds, right? So in the mind standpoint, you really have to make the business case for why alignment is necessary and why it's so important now. And I think you can start that conversation with the fact that the modern buyer-seller relationship has changed. Also, we have data that shows, CSO Insights, I believe, 
that year-over-year B2B seller's ability to hit revenue is on the decline, which means that all of the stuff that we're doing, more technology, hiring more reps, pushing out more content, all that is not working. It's not effective. And so we have to change the conversation to being more effective, more productive, more efficient, because the volume play isn't working. I think also, too, when you look at the hearts of executives, we have to recognize that sales and marketing represent the revenue engine of the organization. If we're ever going to be successful, now is the time for these two organizations to really be on the same page. A lot of companies in B2B, obviously depending on the industry, are getting beat up, whether it be with COVID or just all the things that are happening. And for you as a leader to continue to be okay with sales and marketing operating in different silos or on different pages, it's just not a good idea. It's going to put you in a really strategically bad spot. And those companies that are winning and that are really looking forward to the future understand that alignment is a strategic advantage and are taking advantage of doing so. Awesome. And I imagine that this current climate, like you said, kind of almost increased urgency around accomplishing alignment, especially as teams try to really understand new customer needs and chart their paths forward. Am I right there? You are 100% on board. And one of the things that I talk about in my book, Create Togetherness, we lay out the three pillars to alignment transformation. The three are data, process, and communication. And the third, communication is really important because what I recognize, which continues to happen, is that we really don't have a established mechanism to share feedback between the two teams in a consistent manner. Many times it's just marketing, telling sales what the strategy is, and then them executing. But in many organizations, there's not a formal feedback loop to get that information, that intelligence that's happening out with customers back to marketing to be able to make smarter, more refined decisions from a strategic standpoint. And with things happening so fast and changing so fast, your best market research are your sellers because they're talking to the buyer every day. And so it is imperative that organizations really start to raise the level of importance of what I call tribal knowledge. Because if you're not able to unlock the intelligence in your team, you really are doing yourself a disservice and not leveraging each of those teams in the best way possible. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey everyone, John Miller here, Chief Product Officer at Demandbase. And I can't tell you how excited I am about the new ABM platform we're building. It combines the best of Engageo and Demandbase to help you find accounts that are in market for your products, engage with buyers across multiple channels, and close deals by working with sales. To get an exclusive sneak peek of the platform, visit demandbase.com slash sneak peek. So how does technology or even like collaboration platforms and tools and stuff like that, how does that all play into it? Because I imagine that with everybody working from home and you can't really have that face-to-face, you can't go into like a salesperson's office and, and start having that conversation anymore. What are you seeing in terms of technology and any kind of mediums where we could kind of accelerate that type of alignment and really communicate? Yeah. I mean, I always say technology is great, but alignment is a people issue, right? And so what a lot of people have done historically, they've tried to take technology and throw it at the alignment issue and say, that'll fix it, aka a CRM or some type of other platform. And that's not the case, right? Technology just accelerates a terrible process. So we've got to step back for two seconds, deal with 
the relationship and the process that we're implementing, and then use technology to scale that and make us more efficient and productive at it. But you cannot start with the technology because technology is there to be a tool. It is not there to create great processes and develop relationships with you. So yes, I love the fact that folks are interested in these collaboration tools use them, obviously, but we also need to have those overarching conversations so that we understand the nuance and the insights from those particular tools. Absolutely. And I'm sure your session will be filled with best practices and steps to success, but uh, give us a little taste. What can revenue teams really do to get started on their alignment transformation? Yeah. So we'll go into the seven steps of aligning sales and marketing, which we came out with fairly recently where we lay out kind of the roadmap beyond the three pillars so that you can kind of in a step-by-step way go through how do you make this happen. And and really the beginning of it really focuses on three different areas. And so step one is assessing. This is where you really need to sit down with your team, the sales and marketing leader, and really start to look for the triggers that indicate that misalignment is a major issue in your organization. Now, misalignment is stereotypically existing in every organization some more than others. So you're never going to get 100% alignment. There's a lot of companies doing really, really great. And I'll even tell you, they're continually working on this process. But things like high volume of leads, low close rates is really indicative that there's a misalignment issue. If marketing has no direct contribution to pipeline, that is definitely another trigger that tells you that we need to rethink the way that marketing and sales operate. And then if customers are complaining about having a poor experience or it just being difficult to buy from you, that can also be indicative that you have an alignment issue that needs to be addressed. The second step you want to do in the seven-step process is you want to quantify that because that's great that we're misaligned, but until you're able to tell people this is what that means, then folks really aren't going to buy in, especially executives are not going to really buy in because you need that quantifiable data in order to be able to make the business case. So you have to step back and start to look at what the revenue engine performance versus just sales or marketing. And so the revenue engine is that complete system that brings buyers in and converts them to customers or to revenue. And so you're looking at things like customer acquisition cost, which should be going down over time, lead to close ratio, which we should be getting better at, or things like customer lifetime value. Those are the metrics that start to help us look at the productivity of our revenue engine and say like, looking at those in historical context, whether it be industry benchmarks or sales benchmarks, we can start to get a clearer picture of how are we actually operating together? Because what I see many times is when we look at purely sales volume, revenue volume, many things can get hidden within there that we don't see unless we peel back the onion. And then third, model out what the new world's going to look like. If you're going to change things, especially I love when marketing leaders come to sales leaders. It's like, we're going to focus focus on quality of leads. We're going to get more laser focused on really our ICP. And that means you're going to get less leads. And I'm like, you cannot stop the sentence there because (laughs) any sales leader is going to tell you absolutely not. And so you continue that sentence or that phrase with, although we're going to reduce the number of leads that we're giving your team, we feel really confident that these are going to convert at a higher rate because we're going to be really laser focused on who we feel like we have the best chances of winning business. That is a very different conversation. So those are kind of the first three assess, quantify, and model that we'll be going through for the seven steps of aligning sales and marketing. So hopefully that was helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen a ton of that as well, even in our own benchmark research, you know, it's, it's really no longer about the quantity of the lead. It's about the quality of the lead, right? 
You got it. Awesome. Have you personally had to navigate any new challenges, especially because your work revolves so much around helping B2B organizations achieve this togetherness? I mean, I'm sure the answer is yes, but can you kind of expand? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the industry, depends on the organization, but I think more than anything, it's really helping leaders understand that this is not a business fad or business buzzword, right? Sales and marketing misalignment is not new. I always let people know that anytime I'm doing a keynote or having a conversation, this is not a new issue. We have been misaligned at some degree for decades. What has changed, again, as we said, that digital disruption of the modern buyer relationship is different. And a lot of that comes down to information inequality. Historically, we have owned the information as the vendor and the buyer needed us to figure out what they needed to buy, right? So they would call their sales rep and say, hey, Jeff, come in. We have a problem. Can you help us with it? Well, they don't need to do that anymore. Everything is online. So it really is having a real kind of come to Jesus conversation of saying, that the buyer-seller relationship has changed, you can no longer sell and market like you did three, five, 10 years ago. It is not the optimal way to move forward. Once we're able to get to that step where everybody has agreed to what that looks like, then we can have a more detailed conversation of how we need to change that perspective, You know, one of which being not just talking at the buyer and pushing content on them, but having a conversation with them and helping them diagnose their problem and really pitching yourself as a strategic advisor to help them get to a decision that's best for them. So that is really the switch to your point about volume. We just cannot blast content and calls and like we used to and play the numbers game. It's just becoming less and less effective day by day. Awesome. Very interesting. Our theme for this year's event is creative fuel for new revenue realities. What is your creative fuel in these times and what really keeps you motivated and excited in your day to day? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, I, so I started my career in sales. I transitioned to marketing because I I felt that marketing didn't hundred percent get salespeople. And so I was joke with people. I went back to business school to transform myself into a marketer, to basically selfishly get into marketing and advocate for salespeople, right? I, of course, didn't say that in my interview, but (laughs) my intent (laughs) was to get on the marketing team and be like, that's not what salespeople need. I've always been fascinated about this relationship because even in the beginning of my sales career, I just saw us being on the same team and I never really understood why we had such a negative relationship in some sense. And obviously depends on the organization, But I just always felt the relationship was dysfunctional. And it always, to me, made sense that we should be partnering together because we do different things that are all focused on the same result. So for me, what gets me excited and what keeps me going is I love when the sales and marketing organization get the value that the other provides and they start to see each other in a very different way. And when I see that, when I get to witness that, that is what really gets me super jazzed because I'm just like, oh my God, like I've really changed somebody's perception of a salesperson or I've changed the perception of a marketer because we have been kind of signed up for these norms that you come into organization and you just, this is what marketing does and whatever. And if I have just a little bit of influence in changing that perspective and that perception, I feel like I've done my job. I love that. I mean, teamwork makes the dream work, right? Yes, it does. And we (laughs) need teamwork more than ever before because it's, It's rough out there, as they say. Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, Jeff, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation, but do you have any final thoughts before we kind of end it today? 
Yeah. Again, I appreciate you for giving me the opportunity to speak to your audience. I let folks know that what we're going through right now in this disruptive period of our history is really an opportunity to optimize the way you go to market. Right when we kind of hit the stride of like everything kind of went bananas, the first thing I did personally for my business, I said, let me use this opportunity to step back and rethink how I go to market and rethink what I do while, you know, while no one's really looking to buy anything and it's not really 100% engaged. And so I encourage other organizations to use this time to really optimize your go-to-market and to change the narrative you have within your organization to really think not just sales and marketing, but you know whatever you want to call it. I call it a revenue engine if you want to call it a growth team, whatever that is. But to start to really change that narrative now so that when we really kind of get back humming and everything is going to market, you will be a different organization coming out of this than you were going into it. I love that. And that's the mic drop moment right there. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, thank you so much. And to everyone out there, thanks so much for taking the time to join us for this really awesome conversation. Please don't miss Jeff's session at our B2B sales and marketing exchange online experience. I'll toss a, uh, a link to our website and registration page in our show notes so you could learn more about the event. Again, thank you to everyone. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you can get alerted when new episodes drop. And if you have any feedback on this episode or just really want to chat, drop us a line on Twitter at B2BMX. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll catch you on the next pod. 